Hello, hello. Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. I'm your host, Abby Rova, here with uh, Setonia. Hey, how, how is everyone? Uh, Nick Bison. Good day, everybody. Happy Sunday. And uh, Artemis, who's uh, working in the background engineering. I think we've we've missed an opportunity for Nick to rebrand as Nick Boson. Get you an avatar, get on the bell, make it happen. No, uh, nothing. <laughs> didn't land. All right, tough crowd. I laughed out loud. I didn't want to queue up. Um, all right, and we're here uh, to just talk about some Eve Online um, and what happened on Eve Online this week. So I guess I guess we'll start off with some small topics. Um, just get them out of the way, let people know, let the community know there is like two contests that went live this week. One is the Dress to Kill contest. So this is for GM week, celebrating the Game Masters. So I really like this. This is like taking EVE online outside of EVE. Um, you're basically going to dress up in a, in a cosplay costume, put on a, you know, an amazing outfit that like represents you, your character, something in the lore whatever it is uh dress up you will uh take a picture um and this isn't happening for a while so you've got time to plan what is it like the 20th of september to the 24th of september so you have like a couple of weeks to get your costume ready you uh post your picture of the cosplay on a social media platform so like twitter facebook instagram with the hashtag um hashtag gm week cosplay and then there'll be like a community vote on the official EVE Online forums. Um, selecting a crowd of finalists to vote across for one additional winner who will receive a special community prize. And these prizes are amazing. Uh, I don't know if you guys seen this. Have you seen these prizes? Yeah, I was going to say, like, where are you coming off with small news first? These prizes are nuts. Well, yeah, okay. Um, like, first place, $1,000. Like, first wow. place. Yeah, off the bat, that's amazing. You get 2,000 plex. So what's that? That's like four months game time. You get an EVE watch. Um, let me see if I can pull up a picture of that. I've seen a picture of these before. Um, these are like special, like a company makes watches and they like make special versions of them. And they have like a custom EVE one. Looks really cool. Yeah, they were in the EVE store at some point. Uh, but I don't think you can buy them anymore from the EVE store. No, you can't, but I do know they have them, like, they've given them out for a few contests now to, like, the propaganda contests or, like, our contests, I think. Is it, have they uh, run anything like a like an EVE cosplay before? Because it, it, for some reason, it seems really new to me, and uh, it's actually kind of interesting, because I, I, for some reason, I never equated EVE folk to cosplay, but, hey, anything's out there. Yeah, they've uh, done. They've done like cosplay at all the events. It's never been, to my knowledge at least, a sort of organized competition type thing. But I mean, when you gather a bunch of nerds together to talk about any sort of fandom, there's going to be some cosplay involved. I think the most famous one is going to be your the Space Pope, who who is frequenting many of the um, many of the events. It's front and center in the imagery for this competition. But people will cosplay for just about everything I, I do think this is the first time there's been a properly organized competition across the whole community though i'm definitely looking forward to seeing some of the entries um i'm just wondering who's going to dress up like a ship <laughs> i i was thinking about that too i was thinking what is the easiest ship to make out of cardboard rifter 
Really? I think with the two with the two pointy bits in the front, it'll be difficult. Or maybe that's just your arms? I was thinking a Myrmidon because it's vertical and a little easier to stand in, but you know, hey. Well, in that case, you'd just make a full-size, like, six-foot-tall nag or something, wouldn't you? Setonia, <laughs> um, what ship would you cosplay? Oh, I don't know. It's uh, very hard to pick. Orchestra, obviously, but uh, I don't know. Nice. I mean, it's it's pretty hard to to do ships, though, right? Like it. I'm reminded. Although of uh, there, there is a, there is someone someone who does like Eve, Eve ships as anime girls called Eve Modesu. So maybe you could cosplay as a Eve anime girl ship. Oh, that's perfect. That is perfect. Um, but yeah, sorry. So first place, thousand uh, dollars, two thousand plex. Eve watch. There's a picture in the podcast channel, by the way. Uh, Rifter USB hub, uh, male and female apparel. I don't know if that's like, I presume that's items from the Eve store, like clothing and not like in game items. It could be both. Uh, and you get a special item. Uh, second place is $500, thousand plex, uh, Rifter USB hub, uh, male and female apparel. Third and fourth place, both get $250, 500 plex, uh, the Rifter USB hub and male and female apparel. And then the community prize. So that would be like the, the one voted most by the community is a thousand plex e watch and Rifter USB hub. So um yeah, that's like really cool. So like get out there, start planning like a ship made out of cardboard. I really think something Minmatar because like any errors could just be like rust and they're all beat up looking anyway. It'd be hard to do an Amar one with those like curved lines. I was thinking because you know from early playing the game, my my favorite ship, which I think is much maligned now, being the Catalyst, because it's associated so heavily with gankers. I'd love to try and figure out how to do that, but I don't know. Some just said Ragnarok and Jet. Yeah, the Ragnarok isn't vertical though, so I think that's what like the Nag would win. Um, and then the other actually contest happening this week is the Corp Propaganda Contest. Now, worth noting, this is a propaganda contest, not a meme contest. Let's get this straight, okay? Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good memes are good propaganda, though. I'm a hard disagree on that one. I think I've seen some pretty clever ones out there, but yeah, I mean, good propaganda, story, video, whatever, poster. There we get, this is going to be kind of cool. And, and again, some really good prizes. Yeah, so this is creating like a pop propaganda poster. I mean, like this to me just brings to mind like the um, Soviet Russia style posters or like the, the North Korea style posters. I think there's a fine line between propaganda and meme. Um, but yeah, they have some hard limits here. So like it has to be a certain resolution in a certain format. So like pay attention to that, guys, because you don't want to get yourself disqualified by like a silly error. Uh, really nice rewards, though. I mean, like, again, first place, 1,000 plex, um, and 10 any skin worth 250 plexes from the NES. So I guess that's what you get up to any skin worth up to 250 plex, and you get 10 you can pick from. Oh, well, they've got, like, for both the poster and then the recruitment video uh, as part of it. That's really cool. Yeah, so the uh, recruitment video for your corporation... Uh, I mean, there's already great ones out there. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot more of these with like the Alliance tournament coming back. And I was the just going to say, this is the perfect time for them to do a propaganda contest because these video requirements are the same video requirements for ATS. 
So you can kill two birds with one stone, get an ad for, to enter in this propaganda contest, and get it set up to be rolling during the AT. Like, boom, done. Yeah, and then you can also give the us, and we can play it on our streams during the adverts. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, they also <laughs> get shown in-game, right, on the billboards, the, the winner ones. Oh, are these ones going on billboards? I don't know. That's uh, that, that's what it says in uh, one of the things, right? It says, don't add any holographic effects as seen on current billboard ads. We'll take care of that. So I assume that they... It says, uh, top three will be added to the in-game billboards rotation with one week of exclusivity. And the rest could be added later. Yeah, that would be cool. Like a lot of the uh, adverts that CSPs have made recently have been like pretty cool. So just having more stuff in like Jitter 44 stations, uh, pretty awesome. And again, the, the prizes are nuts for the, for the video one, too. I, you know, of all the prizes, which are really, you know, solid, that having your video on the in game billboard rotation is. That'll actually draw me back to stopping and checking out the billboards again. So I'll, I'll admit I'm a little bit of a fanboy, um, but I love seeing the PvP tournament advert comes up and then like Setonia, your your character comes up and your name comes up in game. I love seeing that in Jita. Yeah, I'm on two billboards right now because of the CSM and the best thing. <laughs> yeah, the CSM one as well. That's right. Actually, I really like that CSM one as well because like, you know, again, it's... It, the game is a game, but the CSM is real real people, and then they, they get elected. It's like, I don't know, it's like your, your country telling you you're allowed to vote, or like, these are the local candidates you can choose from, and these are your public representatives. It just makes the, the whole universe seem more alive. And like, relevant, instead of just like the same old ads. But yeah, I love this. The, um, like, the in-game billboard advert, and the, like, the fact that they're going to show them before and after CCP TV streams, I mean, they're probably going to end up on the Alliance tournament if you enter your um, your recruitment uh, video into this and you win. And um, what is that? The new... I don't know who's in charge of it now, but CCP TV is not what it used to be. It used to be like streamed for the AT and then dead the rest of the year. But they have been doing really solid schedules of shows multiple days a week, sometimes multiple times a day. I think they just had a really super successful one Carneros did on Friday. It was like a returning player retention thing, which they announced in-game. And they do that all the time with the CCP streams, where they announce in-game, hey, it's going live. So you're guaranteed to get your corporation's ad in front of a ton of eyeballs. I've only had a chance to talk to one or two folks so far about the Carneros' stream Friday of, you know, Basically, you're back. Here's what you missed over the last 18 months. Really good info and just well, you know, well put out. And that will be. I'm sure you can find it to go, to go watch it. He uh, he did one a couple of months ago on the same topic, and I watched that one. I didn't catch the one last night. I'm sure it was up to date with um with some of the changes since the one he did a few months ago. But uh, the one I caught a few months ago, I really enjoyed. And actually, a friend of mine came back. Um, he had a small. Uh, he had a small break for like a, a real life situation. He had a child, so uh, he came back there recently, and he was like, "Oh, what happened?" So I was telling him about like industry changes and and other things, and I was like, "Do you know what? Go watch the Carneros thing that happened a few months ago." And there's another one. I actually told him about the uh, the one last night or two days ago, um, and I said, "Watch that." 
because I don't want to take the time to explain to you all the changes, and Karen Harris will tell you all the important ones. Yeah, I think the biggest changes in the last few months would have been the changes to nullification, which I think he hits first. I think he hits like the newest stuff first. And then I personally appreciated and so did a lot of my court mates. We were just chilling around a wormhole when this was going on. And we were all talking about as he got further and further into it, they were going through um, like meta things. So in Nullsec, the, the bait beacons and accepting fleet invites while you're undocked on a keep star and stuff like that, which you wouldn't necessarily think about when you're thinking, okay, a new player is coming back to the game, but it's actually really, really important. Yeah, whenever I've uh, taken a, a break from EVE, whenever I've come back, I've always stuck to like frigates for the first week or two. Um, I'm just like, I don't know what's changed. I don't like... I need to catch up and read the, the patch notes and have people tell me. And I've always talked to really cheap ships because, I mean, you just don't know. Especially you gotta, with avians. You gotta wonder how many returning players came back, saw Setonia flying around in a Kestrel, warped to him, and then got nuked by Diamond Rats and then rage quit. <laughs> I was actually chuckling about that. The one that he has up there, that's actually on the, that's actually on the stream right now, the nullification. That's huge if you've been gone for a while and just walked back in and didn't know that one. That that would be pretty big for uh, most of your PvPers and null folk. Does he cover burst jammers stopping the nullification effects? That I don't know. Yeah, and that's another. I'll have to go back and watch it and find out because that's that's another one. The fact that um, you know, obviously you need your like your 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 interdictor module now, but you can't um be interdiction nullified if you have a burst jammer fit to your ship. I definitely, definitely did not get caught by that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, um, moving on. There's actually a, an abyssal proving ground going on right now, and it's going on until uh, downtime on Tuesday. So it started two days ago. So, Tony, I think you're doing a bit of this, aren't you? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm ranked 38 right now. I have 46 wins. This uh, this event's really popular. The the one v ones are always super popular, and they're a lot more fun in my opinion than the uh, the FFAs, which I personally hate. But Are every one v one they've done has always been like mega popular. So I, I hope they do more of them because they're uh, they're they're always just like super fast queue. I think the longest queue I've had for this has been two minutes, even playing at like you know midnight Eve time. Why do you hate the free for alls? Oh, I just hate I just hate the way that they play out a lot of the time because it's a uh, a free for all, right? Like a lot of like whoever the, the winning person normally is the person who plays the most passive and cowardly and just like hugs the edge of the arena while other people fight and then you come in at the end. And when so people realize that's how you win, you you just get like some matches where there's just like four people all hugging different areas of the arena and not doing anything. Because they know whoever like fights first loses generally, so and I also don't I also don't like the collusion aspect of it too. Because you know sometimes uh, there's a, a bunch of uh, alliances that all queue up together. I think my alliance has done it as well, where you just queue up with like two or three people in the same alliance, and if you get into a game together, you have a you know like a, a house rules where you say okay we're going to kill everyone else first and then will fight amongst ourselves at the end so like at least one of us wins well but now with the with the one-on-one t1 destroyers you know obviously that's not an issue i'm curious what you're flying and is it everybody playing the kitey game got anybody play, jumping in brawling how's it going 
Well, it started out as being like a ton of Alguses and Dragoons, uh, like drone, the, the drone destroyers in this were like super strong and they were, uh, they were like kind of the dominant meta for the 2v2 and the 3v3. In the 1v1 though, uh, you can actually defang them, I think, pretty successfully. And so it's like after people figured out how to kill like Algus Dragoon, like we saw a lot more thrashes and, uh, the, like uh, towers and things like that. I flew a, an AC Thrasher. I, I flew a Coercer to begin with and a Corex, and they didn't do too well. And then I shopped to an Order Cannon Thrasher, and I think I went like 26 wins and like six losses with it, which was pretty insane. And then since people started swapping out of the drone ships to Arty, uh, Stardy stuff and long range stuff, my AC Thrasher sucked against it. So I swapped to a Linusol Tower and I actually just went on like a nine kill, kill, nine win streak with it. I haven't lost with it yet. Is the is the leaderboard only in game or can you access it online? Uh, it's only in game, unfortunately. You can't see it uh, online right now, though. If you uh, if you want to get on the leaderboard, you're going to have to put in a lot of work because the uh, the bottom place right now is 26 wins. So you uh, you know, assuming you have a 50 percent win rate, that's uh, you're going to have to play like 56 games to get that <laughs> or 52 games. So I'm going to need like 440 games. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the the one v ones are always like super crazy popular. Uh, the in the frigate one v one, I think some person got up to like three hundred and sixty wins or something. In this one, there's some people with like a hundred. There's the top person has one hundred fifty one wins. So the one v ones are always like crazy popular. You know, I I appreciate that they have continued to iterate on the way that these are designed. So when it first started out, we of course had the problem with players coming in with super expensive ships like faction fit dead space fit tons of implants etc etc and then the house rules and collusion just to top it off where they didn't queue against each other but now we're down to a point where not only do you have like okay only meta five and below modules no implants etc but they even realized hey sensor damps and shield rechargers for passive shield tanks could be broken given the the 1v1 nature and the limited dps you can get out of these ships so we're going to remove those two. Like this is very clearly something where CCP is willing to experiment for sure. This whole thing is a, seems like a giant experiment, but then they're constantly iterating and updating and improving it and just making it a better and better experience for those who enjoy this kind of gameplay. I'm actually here looking at all your um your losses. Were you doing it on your main Satonia? Yeah, of course. I really want to get the uh, the skins on my main. So if you uh, if you play top one hundred uh, for this proving ground, you get a, a claw abyssal glory skin, a crusader abyssal glory skin, and I really like those two. You also get a Celestis skin too, which is a, a bit bit of a weird one, but you you can only get these skins by taking part in the proving grounds, and they normally that you have about two to three opportunities to get them in about the same like three to three month time period. So if you if you personally like hate one v ones, but you really want the claw skin, for example, CCP normally releases the skins like two or three times. So if you hate one v ones, but maybe you know playing in a three v three is more your bag or an FFA is more your thing, then you can probably get it from one of those uh, events instead. But uh, after about three to four months, you'll never be able to see that you'll never see, be able to have the opportunity to get those skins again. And the other way to get those skins is to be in the leader on the leaderboard. Which makes them like really cool. Is it possible those skins are they uh, locked to a character, or can you trade them on the market? 
you, you can't trade them at all. They go straight into your redeeming queue. So uh, you could, in theory, uh, play on an all on the same account and then redeem it to a different character on your account. But it, it, but they're locked to your account, so you can't trade them or sell them on the market. Anyone you see with one of those abyssal skins, they had to earn it inside the abyss. Got it. That's what I was curious about. I really like that that they can't just be bought. Um, yeah, the first place person right now has 159 wins. Second is 155, and then third is 132. That's uh, first is Jar Oselka Torn. Uh, second place is Stav Label, Stavlable, and then third place is Rerd Bedela. Um, if you don't know, you can open up the the Neocom menu in game. Go over to activities and then down to the proving grounds. Um, and that's where you get like a little pop-up explaining the proving grounds. What's nice is we know the, the next proving grounds is the 3rd to the 7th of September. This is for the um, coincides with the Kaldari uh, Empire Day or the, the few days that it, the Kaldari Empire Day like happens over. So it's going to be uh, Kaldari Battlecruisers. It's a 2v2. So that's just going to be Drake, Ferox, and Naga. Did we um, get that confirmed in the dev blog yet, or is it still just Hobo League? Oh, no, but it's... It's, it's, it's in-game. It's in it's in-game uh, in in as well. Uh, if you go to the Proving Grounds, like in-game, you open it up in the agency. Um, in the rewards, like that Sidonia was explaining, so you get some skins, you get some ISK, uh, skill points and stuff. You also get filaments for the next Proving Ground. So you would get, um, what, 25 uh, filaments for the, the Caldari Proving Ground. And then the one after that is a Corvette free-for-all. So you get like a couple of them as well on the 17th to the 21st of September. So if you're not a winner of a previous tournament, but you want to participate in these Proving Grounds, how do you get the filaments besides the market? So even if you don't place on the leaderboard, the the uh, filaments for the next two events can can spawn inside the loot crate that you get if you win a game inside. So even if you're not on the leaderboard, you, you're still going to collect some of them just by playing in the arena. They also uh, drop in the regular Abyss 2. So I even if you're uh, not a PvP player, you're doing PvE, you'll, they'll show up inside your... Uh, uh, Triglavian loot cans while you're doing uh, the regular PVE of this. And they're normally pretty cheap too. You can also, they're sellable and listable on the market, so you can just buy them from the market if you don't partake in any of those other activities. They're usually very cheap. I mean, I'm not exactly a, a space billionaire, uh, but uh, I've never even thought about the price of them. It's so cheap. Yeah, the Union Day, the Union Day two v two Kadari Battlecruisers are like free isk right now, so <laughs> so you can buy a ton of them for like super cheap. And you also get like often there's um, you know, like your login rewards to do kill five rats, get ten thousand skill points. Um, for taking part in the proving grounds, like you get skill points for it. So like, uh, this like, time it's it's a bit messed up though, right? Because they had the proving ground uh, skill skilling speed reward last week when there was no proving ground because they had to delay this one for some technical reason. And so this time around, we just have the regular skilling spree, like kill one NPC. So that there's no SP reward for going into the proving grounds for this week. But presumably for next week, uh, normally what they do is they give you five thousand skill points 
if you go into the abyss at any point and you don't even have to win the match so if you want the uh, if you just want some skill points uh, the, the battle cruisers might be a bit more on the expensive side but a, a lot of the cheaper abysses like you know like the rifter ffa or like rookie ships and stuff it, even if you're not really interested in pvp it, it can be just a good thing just to go in and do one max and you get 5000 skill points you lose a, a cheap ship and then you just uh, go on with your day yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at for, like, obviously with the battleship one, they had to, like, give out ISK for taking part to try and offset the cost of battleships. Um, yeah, it'd be even... interesting to see if they're going to do that with the uh, Battlecruiser 2v2, because we've seen in the past that Battlecruisers are a little bit too rich for some people's taste in the uh, previous Battlecruiser 2v2 that they had. Yeah, it's certainly easier to lose 10 cruisers than it would be 10 battlecruisers. Let's... Uh... Let's get some predictions in. What what battle cruiser do you think is going to become meta in the next uh, in the next thing? Well, you can only pick three battle cruisers because it's uh, it's restricted to Kaldari because it's a Kaldari yeah, Union so Day. Which thing. of the three are we going to have a rock paper scissors situation, or is one going to going to be the strong favorite? Uh, I think you'll probably see a lot of Nagas, Nagas. just because they project really well and they do a ton of damage. And like the Drake and the Ferox are pretty slow, so they can't really catch a Naga. And the damps are banned from the tournament, so are uh, you can only fit one repper, and you can't fit any uh, shield shield regeneration modules. So you can't do like super tanky drakes or anything. So I think you just go like DPS rail nagas or something, or DPS blaster nagas. That's probably what I would run. Try and burn them down quickly. Yeah, I haven't I haven't uh, taken part in any of these proving grounds. How big is the arena in kilometers? It's kind of weird because the uh, the arena isn't like a sphere like in the Alliance tournament. It's more of like a ellip- ellipse kind of shape. It's like wider on the like horizontal plane, and it's like narrower like at the top and bottom. It's more like a more like if you imagine like an like a sphere that like someone has just like pushed their hand down on to like compress it. An egg. But it's it's about seventy five kilometers from either end on like the if you're on like the horizontal plane, like the you know not up or down from the middle, and it's about like sixty something. It's about like sixty kilometers ish at the like very top. So it's pretty pretty close range. Uh, I think the furthest you can be from someone is about 150 if they were like on the complete opposite side of the arena to you and you were on like one of the corners. Okay, yeah, I'm just curious because that obviously, you know, I'm going to use the word favors, but that may not be accurate. But the uh, definitely the long range shooters, someone's not going to come rolling in there in a blaster brudix and expect to live. No, you're going to have to be careful with your MJDs as well because you could very easily boundary yourself. Wait, MJDs are allowed? Micro jump, uh, yeah, micro jump drives are allowed inside of it. Although it's generally generally, uh, pretty hard to use them. So you kind of have to burn off into like one direction first to then MJD in. You can also actually drop the MJU beacons, which is kind of interesting too. I was just about to ask, I was the worst pilot. um, Well, no, I was a good pilot. Okay pilot. In Alliance tournament practices, because you had the, the... four i guess it would have been eight um micro jump drive beacons in the cube um and i would always always do a micro jump play no matter what it was so much fun blink across you got a tackle forget burning in at you, you just blink away easy peasy until you screw it up 
like I always did. But yeah, so that's the next, um, well, that's the current proving ground. Um, Destroyer is 1v1. Get in there. You have two days left. Um, 3rd of September to the 7th of September, we have the battle cruisers for the Union Day. So that'll be the Caldari, Caldari Empire Day week of events. Um, all right. Next on the on the list of topics is actually like just to revisit um, video submissions and stuff. But basically, the Alliance Tournament 17 video submissions has been opened. So uh, CCP Aurora did a post on the Alliance Tournament uh, Discord. If you're um, if you're not on the Alliance Tournament Discord, um, there's a link in the. I mean, I guess we could drop it in the chat. But there's actually a a link in the dev blog or the the news notification blog that was announcing the um alliance tournament so they are now um they have a link there for like the guidelines on the content and the technical requirements and where you will submit them uh what's really cool as well is um if you want an ad but you're not a video editor yourself check out this discord and like she dropped a link to the eve creative discord so it's great to be able to like link up i guess the the creative people with the um with the people that need adverts yeah and once again like as long as you're at it enter in that video contest win yourself some plaques win yourself some skins get on some billboards yeah you might as well you've got nothing to lose if you're putting in the work to make one video um you might as well do it for both of them i can't wait actually one of the reasons why i'm excited for the alliance tournament is for the adverts it was great they had some great adverts on the summer games as well didn't they uh, I think we just had like default adverts, like the CCP ones. There, there might have been some uh, player adverts too that have already been submitted. There was definitely a few player adverts, yeah. Because it was the only thing I watched this week that would have had player adverts. Um, the Summer Games, by the way, guys, that was the... Um... Satonia, you definitely know more about this. Do you want to just give a rundown of the Summer Games? Oh, so I didn't actually see the previous day. I only uh, did some work on today, the finals. But essentially, it's a it's a tournament that's like China, China and like Oceanic time zone. So there's like a few uh, Australian. Uh, I think there was like two Australian alliances in it. The o- Odin's Call, which is a alliance you're probably familiar with, and I think there was like another team called Fonda Down Under. But uh, it was mostly like Chinese teams. And they have a very similar rule set to the Alliance Open. Like the the ships are pointed about the same, with a few alterations for Alliance Tournament Seventeen, where like some ships are a little cheaper, like the bar guests. But the but the rules are not entirely the same as the Alliance Tournament. Um, in the chat, Rudy asks, uh, "Is the AT on the test server? If I remember correctly, it's on the live server, but up in that Jove space. Is that still accurate?" Uh, it is accurate for the final, uh, for the actual alliance tournament. For the feeder rounds, though, which are taking place next week, that's all, that's all going to be on Thunderdome, which is a special test server. And that was true of the uh, China, the the summer to- the summer tournament too. That was all on Thunderdome. So what's what's the difference between Thunderdome, Singularity, and TQ? So Thunderdome, so Singularity is open to every single player who has an Omega account, assuming you haven't been banned for being being a, a douchebag on the uh, test server. Whereas uh, Thunderdome is uh, invite only; you need to be given a, a Thunderdome account by CCP. So that way, uh, on on the Thunderdome, on Thunderdome, uh, you can test c- kind of in relative peace. And there's, I guess, there's probably some rules about like not 
invading other people's practice sessions on Thunderdome. On Thunderdome too, there's also commands that you can do that you can't do on Sissy. Like you can like spawn ships sh- straight away using certain commands. You can also teleport to uh, special uh, systems that have the the rule set and the uh, like arena game there. So you can like start a match and you'll, you'll have a countdown timer and also have like rules where you actually get boundary where there's a, an actual boundary where like, if you go out you, you die whereas on sissy you kind of have to have like a referee in the middle that just tells people when they go out out of the uh, arena and like keep track of the time isn't there something with skill points as well um yeah yeah on thunderdome everyone has perfect characters obviously on sissy uh you, you can kind of get around with it because you can just skill extract on sissy and then just put this. You'll move your skill points to whatever you need to actually test on the test server. But on on uh, Thunderdome, uh, all of your characters just have perfect skills, so you don't have to worry about any of that. So um, tranquility is the the live main server we all play on. Uh, CC is, I guess, the, the test server we can all play on as long as your character, uh, you know, was around long enough to get mirrored, which is kind of every three or four months. And then Thunderdome is like the a test server just for ccp and for running some of these competitions um what's nice about the alliance tournament being on tranquility is that like when losses happen in the alliance tournament they happen in, in the game so like we get a kill mail those modules and those ships are actually gone you know you actually have to bring your your faction modules your dead space modules whatever into the um that I like special Joe space region for the tournament, and then when your ship gets blown up, it's it's blown up. And there's a, a pretty good history of like market manipulation when it comes to Alliance tournament time, right? Like you'll see whatever the popular meta ships are, or even I think the most common one are the implants, the mine links, or links, almost always get completely bought out in all of the major trade hubs, especially Jita, the closer it gets to Alliance tournament time. I remember when I flew in the Alliance tournament for MC, like months in advance, we were stockpiling ships, modules, and implants to use in the AT so that we didn't have to buy them at absurd prices or just not have them when it came time. Yeah, there's also uh, flagships in the actual Alliance tournament which aren't, on, uh, which aren't in the feeder rounds because you can get everything for free. So that you can get like really expensive Balgus that, that costs you know hundred bill. Assuming most people are gonna gonna be using flag Balgusts. So on on your flagship you can fit a officer some certain modules you can upgrade to uh, as far as officer and even rolled officer mods. So on a Balgus, for example, you can have like a Debye scram that's been rolled to get even more range, and you can get like thirty three kilometer scrams on a Balgus with links or beyond. Like I think thirty nine is like almost perfect role with links which is pretty crazy you gotta love seeing the screenshots of people abyssal rolling their officer modules in preparation for the at and just absolutely trashing them yeah there, there's there also was for a very long period of time like all of the uh all of the officer scram scramblers got pulled out off the market the officer scrams they have like really big power grid requirements don't they if memory serves yeah, they do. So uh, you can't fit them really that well on any cruisers. Uh, obviously, you can't fit them on cruisers anyway in the Alliance tournament. But you can definitely fit it on a uh, on a bar guest. I'm I'm still salivating over like 39 kilometer scrams. That's amazing. <laughs> it's longer than the standard uh, long point range. Is that longer than a hick point? 
How long can you get a, a hick scram? A uh, hick, I think, is 20 kilometers with the Tech 2 scram. It might be 21, I can't remember. Uh, you, you can use the uh, regular point on a hick to stop people from MJDing, but that's not the, which is 37.5 kilometers in the tournament with the Tech 2 scram. Oh, sorry, the Tech 2 point. Uh, the, the, the Tech 2 point doesn't shut off the micro warp drives, but it does stop you from MJDing. Yeah, so stuff to get look forward to. What the feeder rounds are next weekend? Yeah, uh, Saturday the fourth and Sunday the fifth. Start time is like uh, fourteen hundred Eve time to about twenty hundred Eve time. Um, on the Alliance tournament, I'll get you. A, they actually have like the full uh, brackets with times. Give me a minute. Now, um, are the feeder rounds going to be? televised for lack of a better term or is that yeah, uh, yeah. only for the further along all of the the games will be played on the event stream i'm pretty sure it might be the ccp stream i don't know which one of the two it is but they'll definitely all, all of the games are going to be on twitch oh that that's cool yeah so i mean just may have to take uh take my pad with me to work i suppose we should explain like the feeder tournament and what that is and the silent auction and stuff for, for folks who aren't familiar real quick with the alliance tournament, some alliances who won previous tournaments got it automatically. So you sort of invite the successful teams from previous tournaments, so you have a competitive tournament. Then there's also a silent auction. So particularly rich alliances, or in this case teams, because the mercenary rule can put up a certain amount of plex in a silent auction. You have no idea what everybody else is bidding. And then the top number of those bids manages to get in. I want to say the top bid this time was 49,000 plex. Do I remember that correctly? Uh, six. Yeah, the single top bid was 49,000, and in total it was 618,000 raised. Yeah, so a crazy amount of plex was spent there. But then if, you're, if you don't have the plex, or you're not willing to spend the plex, you just want to go into the tournament, have some fun, maybe you get in, maybe you don't, you can do the feeders which is awesome because there's a, a small plex down payment, so to speak. But then everything is done on Thunderdome. You're not risking your ships. You're not risking your skill points. All it is is just some fun times showing up, blowing up some spaceships. And then if you happen to turn out to be really good at it, you get into the Alliance tournament with the chance to win some really valuable prizes. Yeah, and even if you don't, even if you don't finish in like a uh, a prize ship position in the Alliance tournament, every game you win, you actually win victory edition skins. And I think this year they're going to be Morris uh, theme skins. So for the, the for probably for the Gamma Orphus and the Barghest. Yeah, we had um General Stargazer on last weekend who gave us a great rundown of um just after this was announced after the brackets were announced and the teams that we take in place he gave us a great rundown of the setup of the alliance tournament um so yeah there's the the six teams that got in due to their um high placement in the alliance open and the anger games competitions that took place in the last 12 months um and then you had 24 uh, sorry 18 um of the silent auction teams and then um, out of the 51 teams that are going into the feeders, I think it's 16 will go into the final competition. So what we are having next week is the feeder rounds with these teams who would have put up a small amount of plex um, to get into this feeder round. And if they do well enough, um, they will take part in the actual Real Alliance tournament, which is in November. 
Am I correct, Tony? Is it 16 teams coming out of the uh, feeders? Uh, yeah, so uh, 16 of the teams will come out of the feeders. So there's 51 teams in the feeders total. I think 11 of the teams have been seeded because it's like an awkward number. Uh, I think 13 of the teams or 11 of the teams, something like that, have, have been seeded into like the second round by def- straight away. Uh, so most of the teams are going to have to win two best of one games to get into the last tournament. Some of the ones that were lucky enough to be drawn first uh, out of the random draw, they're only going to have to win one game. But in total, we'll have uh, 16 teams. And they get put into the Alliance tournament like, uh, I think, a round before the other teams that are already in play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, do you know what? Here's a great link. Um... Yeah, it's on the stream now. So you see uh, on the left-hand side, like round one, you, you have like uh, the... Team, the 16 teams that got into the feeder rounds. Originally, I think it was we we're only going to have eight teams from the feeder rounds into the 32, but now it's a 40-person tournament because so many teams are in. Yeah. So essentially, uh, it, once you play out that first round, essentially like eight of the teams from the feeder round from the feeder rounds will uh, will be in the losers bracket, and eight of the teams will be in the winners bracket against the teams that got in through the silent auction or from placing highly in either the Alliance Open or the Anger Games in the top four. Yeah, I was uh, amazed to, to read from the uh, from the post that Aurora brought out and she was talking about, I think, when they were drawing the drawing the seeds, but they originally wanted to have a 32-person tournament, and they thought they might get like 32 or 40 teams applied, and they had 75 or 74 or 75 teams apply, so they just decided to up it by an extra eight and turn it into a 40 team competition rather than a 32 team competition which is why we ended up with this kind of awkward feed around yeah and uh, the previous tournament before that alliance tournament 16 that that didn't fill out the full 64 slots so i think that's probably one of the reasons why they wanted to go with like a 32 uh bracket tournament this time around but i think there's a ton of hype for the at this year because there hasn't been one for uh, two years now so i think a lot of people were just you know, want to take part because it just hasn't been around for a, for a while. Yeah, there's definitely a ton of hype, I think, for the Alliance tournament this year. Um, it's kind of what's needed after the last two years of COVID and not having an AT and the game being in kind of like an awkward situation with scarcity and stuff. I think it's great to have, uh, I think, like, you know, that, that World War B being over, people can go back to playing their game and then have the Alliance tournament. It's kind of like things slowly returning to normal. Great to see. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just looking through the, like the names of teams here in the feeders. It's going to be some really good matches. Yeah, there's, there's the... a few uh, spicy ones that I'm pretty excited for. So you have uh, Northern Coalition versus Original Sinners, which is also oh, not Original Sinners, uh, NSH. But that 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 uh, match is particularly spicy, right? Because Original Sinners left NC to join NSH. So that there could be some drama there. There's also in the uh, in the top brackets. I think you have uh, initiative. You have initiative and test kind of in the same bracket, so that uh, if initiative and test win both of their games, you'll have in- initiative versus test as the first round in the alliance tournament, and the winner of that will end up playing uh, a goon swarm federation. So <laughs> it would be funny to see goons versus in it or or in it or, or test versus goons. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. So this like hidden leave. Village Ninja Assassin Squad Esports. Is that a mercenary team or is that somebody's actual alliance? 
Uh, that's basically the No Handlebars team, uh, led by Baltrum. He's uh, he's a bit of an edge lord, so he decided to give his his uh, alliance like a really awkward name. But it's essentially the No Handles Bar team from uh, like AT15 and AT16, and the like 420 MLG Twin Turbo team from the Alliance Open. <laughs> I guess they yeah. they just like slowly progressively get worse and worse uh, Alliance names. There's a, a question in chat. Did Test decide not to participate? They are participating. They're in the feeder round. Yeah, I think they are participating. I think the confusion is uh, when CSP Aurora drew their, their team from the hat, she made a joke, uh, like saying, uh, it, it says it says uh, ignoring their alliance name, so we're, we're just going to put them out the AT or something. It was totally a, a joke that Aurora made because of Test's alliance name. Not that they're out of the AT, as far as I can tell. So I'm pretty sure Tests are still competing. You could also have like um maybe maybe the alliance isn't funding it, but people like are a SIG or something in the alliance have decided to participate and they're they're like paying for it themselves and putting in the effort themselves. You have to go in under the um name of your actual like in game alliance. I mean T- Test has always had like a a strong presence in the Alliance tournament though. Uh, they they took part in the uh uh, Alliance Open as well as the Anger game, so it w- it would surprise me if they pulled out. Yeah, indeed, I'm, I'm surprised. I don't know why that. Um, I guess maybe it was the the joke Aurora made. Yeah, yeah, she just made that, that joke, and it's like thrown a ton of people off. Where like like a lot of people just think Test aren't, aren't in the AT, but but they definitely are, as far as I know. Well, they're on the bracket and they're on the schedule, so I mean. They're in it. Someone better tell them to show up because uh, they have a match. Um, oh, and actually, sorry, uh, the the Summer Games tournament we were talking about, uh, the name of the winning team, uh, the winners of the Summer Games tournament was Flight Deck, wasn't it? Yeah, Flight Deck won the Summer, t- summer Tournament. Nightmare Skating Issue came in second place. Uh, Rainbow... Rainbow Wolves were third place. That was the uh, Odin School's team. And then Long GG's roaming team were in fourth place. Great team names. Yeah, the, the like slightly awkward like Chinese translation is pretty funny. I don't I know. Like I feel think... like it was a, a proper translation. These were the intended names. I want to live in that universe. Nightmare skating issue to me sounds like a mistranslation of like moonwalking nightmares. Well, I mean, uh, I think Rich Richmond also said something uh, because obviously he... Uh, he speaks and reads Chinese. Like, 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 skate in Chinese is something about like people who do drugs or something. So there might also be some like meta Chinese meme there. Okay, I didn't know that. If he uh, fixes his current time, we might get him on the show to explain to us. Um, yeah, cool. So like, I'm really excited. Um, finally, after like two years, two and a bit years, we have an alliance tournament coming back. We got the feeder rounds next week. It's going to be 1,400 Eve time to like 2,000 Eve time on Saturday and Sunday. So I'm sure that there's going to be like notifications in game to, to ping, but that will be on the CCP TV Twitch. So like make sure you tune in and watch it because I think it's going to be like a really good indicator of like what's to come in the Alliance tournament again because there's been like so many meta changes, so many in-game changes um, in the last two years. So like I think it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, Marauders, right? 
Like the, yeah, there's there's no bastion in the alliance tournament, which was like the main change, but there has been like some changes to the bonuses and extends the strength buffs that makes them better to use in the alliance tournament. We did see like a, a bunch of like triple paladin uh, comps in the summer tournament. So, would would you personally would you bring paladins or would you bring like vargas or something or golems? Uh, I think paladins have been the most effective from what we've seen, but we have seen people bringing like top golems and stuff too. What about the the blobs battleships? I don't want to turn this into a theory crafting podcast because we have other stuff to talk about. But the the Black House battleships have historically not done particularly well, other than maybe the Panther and Mimitar Rush teams on occasion. But the they Widow, have right? also received a oh yeah, but the Tinker is sort of banned due to rules now, right? Yeah, they've been banned for a while. I think ever since they did the T3C rework, because you could just get like the Tinker. Uh, T3 Logi Cruiser just to be too absurd for the Alliance tournament, and it's also kind of boring to watch those matches. But do we do we think we can finally see some good Black Ops battleships? Yeah, we, we've seen some people bring Widows uh, already in the summer tournament, which I assume is probably a bit similar to the AT. Widows are actually, uh, I think they cost more points than the other Black Ops because uh, they're just so powerful in the Alliance tournament, especially with the buffs that it got, with the extra damage, the extra ECM strength, and the resistance bonus it got from just the uh, when the cloak got moved to the roll bonus, it got a twenty percent resist bonus if you have Black Ops level five, and then it also got uh, like just tech to, some tech to resist as well. So it's like way tankier than it used to be uh, i don't know if we've seen the sin because that didn't really change it just got that like logi bonus and like drone tracking bonus uh the redeemer i could maybe see but it, it's hard to hard to tell i mean if you're going to bring a redeemer would you not just bring a paladin unless it's banned yeah well the uh, i think the paladin costs more points to bring than the redeemer but uh and the Redeemer actually outdamages the Paladin when the because the Paladin doesn't have Bastion mode. Oh, that's oh yeah 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 yeah. Sorry, I keep forgetting that it's not tranquility or well it is, but there's rules. Oh, yeah, it's definitely definitely more of an oddball choice. I think you I think you might may see some widows, maybe some uh, Redeemers. I don't think I'll see pal- Panthers or Sins, but uh, yeah. I'd love to be wrong on that. It would be cool to see like Black Ops being brought in the tournament. Yeah, I can't wait to see like both the feeders and for the actual main tournament. Um, something else that like happened that we didn't really talk about that we could like touch on a little bit would be the month. Go on. And I, I had like one last question on that uh, because you brought up uh, the point system for the ships and the values of the different ships. Is it only the ship that has the point value, or do modules have a point value also? Uh, just the ships. There's there's no point value. There's no point values for for any modules. All right, I was just curious. Yeah, and there's rules then, like, but um, you can only fit certain modules, um, or like you can you can't you can't put put a bunch of logi modules on ships that don't have like a logi bonus, except for maybe one, I think. Yeah, and to answer a question in chat, you can't cloak either, but you can launch bombs. We've seen quite a few fantastic bomb plays and even more terrible bomb plays in the tournament's history. Cloaking would be overpowered. You could just like kill one guy and then everyone cloak up and hide for the next 10 minutes and just win on points. <laughs> uh, you can't cloak in the uh, tournament anyway, even with the rules, because it, because the, because the commentators have you locked up, even though they're in like cloaked ships, it like, stops you from being able to cloak. Ah, okay. 
That's also one of the reasons why the old uh, target multi-spectrum uh, thing used to be jammed because we tested it in a match and it would like it would break the lock locks of the commentators. Oh, of course, because it just yeah, the game counts it as just a normal lock, right? That's funny. Um, so the monthly economic report came out. Jeez, uh, almost two weeks ago now at this stage. Um, some like couple of key things like from the monthly economic report was. I, on the main, the very first chart, the main one, like showing production versus destruction, um, moving averages. It's like production has started to go up a little bit. Destroyed has started to go up a little bit. And this is um, this is the, for the month of July, just up until the start of August. And of course, I think it was the 2nd of August. Was it the 2nd of August? Let me get my calendar. So Sunday was the 1st, Monday was the 2nd, and it was that Sunday when we had the Warren Delve, um, the Pappy Forces made a push over that weekend. They did terrible. They got like, every time they tried to form up or make a push, they got destroyed. And, and the Goon, Goon Swarm Forces were like too strong and kept fighting them off. And then during that, like one last big push, the only big push, uh, they decided to call it quits. And it was like in the middle of the fight, those pings went out that they were... I think it was NC was the first one to put the pings out that they were withdrawing. Uh, shortly afterwards, um, it became apparent that Pappy was not going to continue the siege of 1DQ. So I think there's like going to be some destruction. Um, will be kind of high maybe at the start of of next month, August's um, MER. But the production number, I think, is only going to go up now. With the war being over... Uh, things are going to need to be produced. Things are going to be made. I mean, you know, Delve has to be rebuilt. Test is moving to Outer Passage. They're going to have to like set up structures and everything. So I think, I think that slump where everyone was looking at the production going down a lot, I think might have like finally leveled off and might start going back up again. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. I, I figure also... it's going to take it a good sixty days before we see a. a a long trend on that but yeah i think you're right we're going to start seeing more once goons get reestablished in their uh in delve uh test out and outer passage a lot of stuff to build put back up and get rolling again but it's probably going to happen i'm just hoping that there's enough side things going on to keep the destruction numbers up but uh we'll see I think you're dead right there. I mean, it's definitely going to take a while to to start seeing trends come back. But I mean, with Brave moving into Geminis, um, with these with these big null blocks kind of going back to their normal activities, I think we will start to see production uh, kick up again. And as well, we have the, I guess, quarter four um, is roughly when we're expecting scarcity to end or be tailored off. I mean, really... We're expecting Orca and and possible Rourke will another mining barge rebalances. Uh, the the gas compression changes, and I think there was like Mungu compression um, or something uh, reprocessing or something changes that were announced in that dev blog. I mean, obviously Satonia can't talk about any of this because he's going to accidentally well, say well, something. Yeah. Yeah, we can speculate wildly and just watch his reaction. <laughs> I yeah. Know but yeah, I mean, um, I'm not, I'm trying to recall if the uh, original changes, well, I'm not going to say changes, but plan of some changes for both the Rourke and uh, Orca were supposed to be at the end of third quadrant or if that was in fourth with the whole 
uh, relook at the mining line of ships, the ore line of ships. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Also, to kind of remind the folks, you know, especially me, I got I actually put it on my calendar because I get too excited that the fourth quadrant is like November, December, January because of when it started. So these might be rolled out slowly over that 90-day period. We may not see anything until the first of the year. And uh, I'm looking forward to them anyway, especially with the – I'm curious how they're going to release or loosen up because they keep saying about uh, scarcity being over. Well, I doubt – I don't think any of us think it's just going to be the, the the fire hose of everything back out there. It's going to get released up, and I'm very curious how that's done and how it's going to impact a lot of us. I yeah, think, I think – sorry, go on, Adamus. Like in terms of – impacts of scarcity or scarcity ending I, you're already seeing impacts of it from the way players are prepping for it um like the, the amount of infrastructure that's going to get rebuilt in delve in terms of the the production in the industry infrastructure as well as the amount of just look at the prices of excavators and ice mining excavators and such and not all that's going to delve some of it's going to the Pappy alliances returning to their farms and fields as well like this dev blog coming out means players are more willing to heavily invest in their industry infrastructure now because they expect to get heavy returns from it later when scarcity is rolled back. So you're, you're already going to begin to see impacts of this on the economy just from people prepping for what they think they're going to get out of it later. I had an interesting talk with some... Uh... And yes, I actually have friends who are in Goons and Imperium um, on their rebuild of Delve and how they have they have a definite plan on it because it was just too much before. So, you know, the way they intend to do the industry and such, but there's a definite new plan that they think is much better. I'll be curious to see how they do it because there was just so much down there that was... You know, it's like, sure, throw another one down. What the heck? And that's not a good long term, I don't think. Well, they also just don't have the resources to do it, right? There was the, the ping that got sent out, or rebroadcast, I suppose, where it was they don't have the salvage to build all the rigs that they would need. Like, nowhere even close. Yeah, so um, just real quick, this is um, a ping that was uh, rebroadcast by Gobbins um, from Pandemic Horde. And he was rebroadcasting it in the context of talking about the economic damage that has been caused. Um, and I guess the economic hardship that they face with the scarcity, um, you know, still being in kind of a phase of scarcity and, and resources. The fact that um, Imperium has um, a lot to build. And I mean, it's not just the Imperium. if if test moves to outer passage and they want to put up a bunch of structures, that's going to take up more resources. Um, if you look at the build cost of something like a Keepstar, um, just as an example, okay, let's say you, you look at the, the materials that go into it. You look right now, if I'm to buy that on the market, let's say it's going to cost me 200 billion. Now that's only going by those prices. As soon as you start buying up those resources, uh, one of two things has to happen. Okay. The price has to go up because the demand has gone up. Or supply needs to increase to meet that demand for the price to stay the same or go lower. 
So if you think about it, um, the amount of resources required to go into some of these big structures is phenomenal. The market doesn't have, you know, three months of worth of materials sitting around at any one time. Um, as a matter of fact, in the kind of average, um, if we look at the average usage of an item, so let's say like how many uh, brudixes are destroyed in, in an average day, the, the market in EVE generally has about five days, five, six, seven days of like items on hand. That's not to say that more don't exist in stockpiles. They're just not on the market right now. Um, that's kind of like a, a, a good rough average um, of how much exists. So let's say the Imperium wants to put down 10 keeps stairs to repopulate Delve with a few keeps stairs. And then they're going to want to go do some moon mining. So they're probably going to want like 100 Athoners. And then they're going to want some Raytarus and Asbels, let's say 20 of each. Now we're at the level of materials required, which just does not exist on the market. So you cannot say the bill cost of a keep star is 200 billion and, and expect to get 10 keep stars for 2 trillion. It's going to end up costing you five or six because your demand will be so high, you're going to increase the price because the supply won't be there to keep it at that same market rate. Um, so just it, that's kind of that's kind of the economic damage uh, context that this ping is, is being rebroadcasted in. And it's not just the Imperium that are suffering this. Any big group that wants to put down a structure is going to have this issue. Any big group that wants to put down multiple structures is going to have this issue. So like if we consider Brave is moving to Geminate and wants to put down a whole load of new structures there after losing all their stuff after their last move, Test is moving to Outer Passage. Uh, they're going to want to put down a bunch of stuff for the next however long they're staying there. I presume it's going to be like, you know, a year, a two. I mean, w with the return investment on some of these items, how long? Um, I think it's also might be fair to look at, you know, because we were kind of focusing there for a second on, you know, uh, the Imperium rebuilding and Delve and Fountain in that area and everything they've got to slap down to get the infrastructure back up. And almost every one of these citadels that get thrown out there are going to need a rig, hence salvage. Um, for folks like uh, the Legacy Alliance that is like pretty much all moving you know, north and east, everything they lay down, unless they had tons of this laying around, which we all doubt, uh, all that's got to be acquired and built again too. So that's you know, it's more than just the Imperium side. We're seeing it across a number of regions in EVE. And with the salvage, that's not necessarily coming from, well, that's explicitly not coming from all the mining that was super heavily nerfed during scarcity. There were like the, the ratting changes with the ESS and the dynamic bounty system that hit ratting to a certain extent. And certainly a lot of people felt that it was less fun or less profitable. Um, but that's, that's not something that is coming directly from the scarcity and the reduction in minerals. And it's also not something that, as I understand it, I'll have to double check the dev blog, the end of scarcity is broadcasting an increase in supply of. I'll have to double check the July update, but I didn't see any mention of changes to dynamic bounty system, changes to ESS, changes to these site spawns. 
So that supply of salvage specifically for the rigs or even the supply of PI for your citadels, I'm curious as to where that's all going to come from or if this is going to be a long-standing problem relative to just the minerals that should be coming back based on the changes we know are coming. Yeah, um, I was actually I was thinking about that earlier on when I was, uh, I was listening to some friends talk about the salvage changes and I'm glad you brought that up with... Um, with the salvage, we're, we're talking about salvage because all these structures need to be rigged and a tech one and tech two rigs for large and, and extra large structures and stuff takes a lot of salvage. Uh, but that's a very good point. The scarcity will not increase the amount of salvage coming out of these rats. Do you know what I mean? That's just, it's it's talking about moons, ores. Um, I mean, the, the ratting, uh, you can up the bounties or, or up the percentages on the bounty modifier system, but that's not going to change the salvage output. You're, I mean, I mean, freaking crucify me for this opinion, but maybe what needs to happen is just the price of salvage needs to go up. Like the whole the ping we were just talking about was uh, a member of a group's leadership saying, "Hey guys, don't spike the market on salvage. We're going to buy stuff slow so we don't spike the market on salvage." But that then keeps salvage at a in my opinion, artificially low price, such that it's not worth harvesting. Like you're gonna consistently have a lack of supply if it's not worth it for a player to go and collect this stuff. If the average player is better off ratting in a VNI than salvaging behind a supercarrier in a Noctis, they're gonna rat in a VNI. Well, not VNIs anymore, but I think my point stands. Perhaps what we need is a correction in the salvage market to correctly reflect how much it's needed nowadays. I mean, yeah, and you you mentioned, you know, large, extra large structures needing rigs. You know, vast majority of the folks that slap an Athenor out there, you know, throw the uh, stability rig on there, even the T1 stability rig, just so they can have a little more time to get the ore. There's a second one, the name just escapes me. That's the one that makes the rocks a little bigger. Those get thrown on a lot of those structures, too. We do have uh, a, a member of our staff who makes a good point that during the war, people, and even during scarcity, people moved from super ratting over to incursions and wormhole ratting, which doesn't produce the same amount or even the same kinds of salvage that you would get from that uh, higher number of rats killed of Nullsec supercarrier ratting. So perhaps it's just a change in the activity that will bring that supply back. And also... New super and capital specific sites. I can't believe we forgot to mention that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's a very good point, actually, because, I mean, first of all, wormhole salvage is completely um, unrelated. That salvage is for tech tree production, your tech tree cruisers, your tech tree destroyers. Uh, it does not, like, relate to case-based salvage. Um, and, yeah, incursion community generally don't stop and waste the time salvaging. They do the next site because you get more money uh, for your time spent. So if the if the super combat anomalies or the, the capital combat anomalies bring back more, you know, maybe big salvage drops. Um, definitely, definitely something to keep your eye on. There are so many questions, so many opportunities. It's an interesting time to go through where you have just survived a period of scarcity and the, like, we're not to a point of excess again we're not to even a point of having the amount of resources you need to sustain or you need to rebuild 
but just knowing that it's coming is incredibly exciting. I'm really looking forward to uh, mining like changes, whether it's the, the rebalance on the Orca and the Rourke will, whatever they're planning to do, whether it's just those two like boosting ships or whether it's the whole line of ships like the Coveter, the Procurer, the Retriever, even Ventures or the, the Tech 2 ones. I'm really excited to see what they do with the compression of the gas changes. I want them to give those um, like a gas hold to a to a, a hauler or something, maybe not the Galente ones. Like um, I said this before, the Galente ships, the they have like the bonuses to hauling all the materials. Um, so it'd be nice to see if like the Amar, the Mimitar ships could get like a bonus to the gas hauling as well just to make them a little bit more useful. Because right now it's like train Galente Industrial and don't bother with anything else. Uh, one thing you brought up as well in the rebuilding phase was that like the amount of PI that's going to be needed for a lot of these structures, uh, these these citadels, these upwells. Um, after the industry changes, they actually removed like mineral requirements from some ships and increased PI going into these materials. So like things that never needed PI before you uh, now need to put PI into them. So that's going to put further pressure and demand on like the PI networks. And thought, again, go on. A thought just occurred to me, uh, pivoting slightly back to the salvage thing. What's the salvage used for that comes out of Pochfin? Is that all purely T2 trig related? Yeah, it's trig related. Okay. So like when we had a hateless on last week uh, who was doing the trig rats in HiSec. And all that salvage is like Triglavian related salvage. Uh, I could be I could be wrong, but I'm like ninety nine percent sure it's all Trig salvage for the Trig Trig stuff. Although actually, you know, if if the price is salvaged, so just to explain, like that ping, the ping wasn't talking about the the damage done to the Imperium uh, because of the the effort on Pappy forces. That's not the Gobbins from Pandemic Horde wasn't sharing this to to point and laugh and jest at the the damage they've done to the Imperium. It was actually more kind of in solidarity and in just being like, look, I mean, because I think every group is going to be in this boat. I, I really do think almost every group that is after having a change of space, that is, I mean, all these groups are, almost all these groups that are involved in Papi are in some sort of a phase of rebuilding now. You know, um, Test is going to have to rebuild. Brave is going to have to be rebuilt. Um, very few came off unscathed from that war, except possibly Fraternity. So um, when he talks about the in economic impact, um, what we mean is that, like, the war is done. This is the, the economic impact for the next six months or for the next 12 months um, for, for what has to, to happen not the economic impact done to the Imperium in, in the 12 months uh, beforehand. Because I think everyone's going to be in this issue now. Um, so uh, just some like, I guess that's kind of like the end of like official EVE news. Um, so we have some like cool player news that's happened in the last week. First thing is going to be Spectre Fleet. So if you don't know, Spectre Fleet is an NPSI community within EVE Online. That stands for Not Purple Shoot Instantly. 
they have a a Discord. They have an in-game channel. I mean, Spectre Fleet. They run uh, PvP ops and, and other fun stuff on the regular. You can join in their their Discord or their in-game channel. Uh, excuse me. You can join the Discord or the in-game channel and get a get a look at their schedule and what kind of fleets they run. They very recently had a, a reserve uh, ESS heist. So they wrote a really nice write-up on Reddit and and posted it. And there's a link in, to the battle report in the Reddit. Uh, it's a really good story. I, I actually recommend everyone just have a quick read of it. It'll only take like five minutes. But essentially what happened was they took um, <laughs> shield arty ruptures um went out they had some keys they had two scc keys and they were able to steal uh 3.1 billion in in uh in 43 minutes before the locals responded and then they had a mad brawl versus tangus yeah <laughs> so uh the dfc said that uh they got the fleet into the ess um they they had no response for almost 40 minutes. And then at the very end, uh, things kicked off. They brought this fleet in. He started, uh, started on the Claymore. He had like repositioned his, his fleet badly. He had gone too far out of range. So he, he started to bring his fleet back into range of the other fleet. Um, started popping off the Lodgy and, and the Huggins. So, I mean, once the Lodgy and the webs are down, there's not a whole lot you can really do just becomes a dps race so i mean the fight itself is really cool looking they the specter fleet like npsi fleet they only last like 1.69 billion while while the defenders of the ess in in pravi last 12.6 billion so even even without the ess like bank uh, stealing Great fight, um, and the attackers really came out on, on top. And on top of that, they managed to take 3.1 billion out of the ESS. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to the defenders, though, they were fighting pretty heavily outnumbered here. They were, they were So the defending side was Wrecking Crew, who are the current residents of the Providence region. And they had 45 folks on this battle report versus the 69 on the battle report from Spectre Fleet. And in the in the post, the FC Spectre Fleet mentions they have seventy five or so people. So there's going to be Lodgy or, or other support ships which didn't make it onto the battle report itself. So taking a fight outnumbered, you got to give props to the defenders for doing that. Maybe that was just because they didn't want to lose the ISK in their reserve bank. Maybe we're starting to see the incentives of that ISK coming out, so people are more willing to take these fights where otherwise they would have just said, "Yeah, whatever." The the Ruptures will get bored and move on, but props to them for taking the fight outnumbered. Yeah, absolutely. Props for them for taking an outnumbered fight. Um, I guess. Look, I mean, in hindsight, it could have gone the other way. Um, it just so happened to go this way, and the attackers really came out on top. Uh, this is the first, like, one of the first big heists I'm after hearing about, anyway, and certainly not like. Um, uh, people stealing from their own bank, right? Like fraternity stealing from the fraternity bank to stop other people stealing it. This is like, this is full on a bunch of MPSI dudes getting together and going on a mad heist, killing over 12 billion and then taking 3 billion from the bank. I love it. Congratulations uh, to Spectre Fleet for that. And so look, I mean, I guess if you want to be part of more 
or if you ever want to get involved in some uh, ESS raids, they they do them quite regularly. A bunch of MPSI groups do them, but uh, Spectre Fleet are running the SCC sites to get the keys themselves to use on fleets for content. So, like, if you really want to get involved, uh, join the Spectre Fleet in-game channel or on their Discord. I know I certainly will be soon. Um, so next then is just like something that was covered earlier on the week, which was like the test moves up, move ops to outer passage. I know you guys covered it on the show the other day. I just thought I'd bring it up again real quick. Yeah, I'm going to step on my soapbox a little bit more and have a conversation about the test is next narrative and make some people angry because I enjoy doing that. Um, so earlier in the week, outer passage looked very different. It was almost entirely in terms of iHubs held by, I'm going to forget their name, Circle of Hell. Uh, and it was all reinforced. So the casual observer, um, who doesn't dig particularly deep into what's going on behind the scenes and structures, they just pull up Dotland, they see Outer Passages on fire, like, oh wow, that's crazy. Um, then you dig a little deeper, realize it's only Circle of Hell that's getting their structures reinforced, Test is coming in to take over. And so that's what they've done. They had a few timers reinforced, but I think they've already been saved. We had one going on today that was saved. And then if you're if you're tracking on the dead citadels, we still have yet to have more citadels from Test die in Outer Passage. So Test, I personally am rooting for you for no other reason than I found it funny people were losing their minds over a dead Fortizar. Um, so that's your your weekly update on the test outer passage move. Is they're they're doing just fine, probably struggling from a lack of resources to rebuild all their infrastructure, just like everybody else. They're definitely not having as much fun as they would have had the war gone differently, but uh, it doesn't look like they're in the dumps at the moment. Yeah, I caught the show you did the other day, and I think. I think when everyone saw that test lost their Fortisar immediately in Outer Passage before they'd even properly moved into Outer Passage, it was just kind of like a lot of memeing on them. Um, I think you kind of summed it up right. Somebody somewhere, for some reason, hit a button and dropped a structure they shouldn't have without like checking with leadership or whatever that they had, like a defense fleet and and it was going to survive. And you know, Imperium hats off. Hats off to Imperium for, for scouting that like immediately and immediately getting a fleet in there and killing it. That was just hilarious. So I, I think after that test, I've definitely decided to take things uh, a bit slow and steadier. They are getting um, keep stars in the south and southeast reinforced and unanchored when they can. So in like Esoteria, uh, a couple in Providence as well. But um, they are taking down keep stars where they can, um, and they are unfortunately having them reinforced where they can't. Um, but look, that's that's the nature of the game. Um, if if it's not the Imperium that are going to come for them, it's it's going to be other groups that are going to try capitalize on it. And I think a really funny thing that happened um, this week is the the Imperium is preparing to siege the Ermelin Keeps there. So if if we think back to geez, I mean, 2020 when this war had kicked off and uh, Pappy forces were talking about, um, you know, the first six months of the war went very well for Pappy, um, and they had the the Imperium on the back foot, 
And I remember one of the uh, one of the sayings at the time was that the the Ermelin is this low sec system. It's the nearest system in low sec to Delve. So this is where things get acid safety too. So uh, the Pappy forces were kind of joking and memeing about putting up a a Keepstar in 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 Ermelin. And then when the Imperium would asset safety their stuff out, uh, test were test and Pappy were going to be there to blow it up. So now the tables have turned. The Imperium appears to be onlining a Keepstar in Ermelin to camp all the Pappy forces assets into the station. <laughs> Wait, a Keepstar? I think the, the screenshot we have is just a Fortazar. Oh, is it a Fortazar? Oh, my apologies. I mean, like, to be clear, 99% of the ironies remains. Yeah. yeah. You're right, sorry, they're preparing... Though. Yeah, sorry, they're preparing to siege the Ermelin Keepstar. They're not planting their, their own Keepstar. Um, so, hilarious. Um, if you're looking to get on a couple of Keepstar kills or something, maybe get, get yourself an all to Ermelin. Yeah, if you're what? if you're worried about ruining your killboard, participating in the upcoming battle cruiser proving grounds, take a scepter, go to a keepstar timer, shoot it once, your killboard will be fine. Yeah. Uh, who else? Brave, brave. Be in the uh, hull timer too, if I recall correctly. Oh yeah. yeah, good call, Nick. Good call. Yeah, don't show up to the shield timer and then not come back in in two days' time. Um, but yeah, brave lost the keepstar in impasse. So this is, uh, I mean, again, like every one of these Keepstars lost is is an, another structure that's going to require a silly amount of materials to be rebuilt. And is this Fire Coalition that took down the Brave Keepstar? Am I recognizing yeah. these alliances correctly? Yeah, uh, RC, PIBC, um, Fire Coalition. And then Imperium brought in a Mutant Fleet. There was a joke, um, I don't remember where I saw it, it may have been one of our staff channels, that the the real way to get enough salvage to rebuild your infrastructure is just to kill somebody else's infrastructure and salvage their dead structures. So yeah. certainly um, one group is having a leg up in that particular race. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although, th- if you think about it, some of the structures that Poppy originally blew up uh, when they invaded Delve probably went into these... Uh, into some of the keep stars and other structures they built in Delve that the Imperium is now blowing up. So really, the Imperium is just claiming back what was rightfully theirs to begin with. Yeah, you know, I'm really proud of the EVE Online community here. We're, we're really showing uh, a true embracing of the idea of reduce, reuse, and recycle. Just keep yeah. reusing Citadel Rex, keep Star Rex in that salvage. Great work, team. First of all, you need to reduce the amount of keep stars and structures you already have. It's the most important. Re- recycling is the least important. Reducing first, most important. Reuse the old keep stars you have, and then when possible, blow up someone else's and recycle the salvage. Um, another really cool thing as well was the Poshvin Marauders. Rokapel slaughtering the 12 Marauders um, using the capital gun rev in Poshvin. Very, very cool. Uh, Shen did a show. Was that Thursday night? That was Thursday night. I think the, the most notable feature of this is in Pochvin, you can't build more caps. So this is one of those fights that you'll probably never see again, not just because of the way the Vargers were caught and the fact that the pilot was multiboxing a ton of them, but just that revelations are, are going to be few and far between in Pochvin. Yeah. Um, 
one thing you were talking about on the show when you were a little bit meh, not sure about was the the jumping out of Poshvin. There's no problem jumping out. Uh, you can you can. So when you talked about the the revelation signing out at the end, um, he, he, I, I guess it makes sense that you mentioned that he's probably going to be hunted now because everyone knows who he is and he's got a raven there. Uh, but jumping out, whether it's a normal uh, Sino or it's a covert op Sino, uh, I've been on a few fleets that have staged from Poshvin. So the nice thing about Poshvin is because of where it is like geographically, um, you can get really, really good jump range on a Black Ops. So it actually makes a very good staging ground if you are hunting outside of uh Poshman in case base low sec, and then you have your your blops with your bombers uh, inside in Poshman. Uh Really handy. Um, but yeah, so that was like the same guy that lost like the thirteen golems, I believe, running those uh, world arc sites. I mean, undoubtedly, he has made plenty of this to replace these, but it still makes for a nice kill board. Yeah, I I can't off the top of my head remember the figures but when he uh when he lost those golems i was talking to someone who knew it might have been ashtarati someone who was involved in the in the posturing content and he was telling me like oh no it'll only take him x amount of hours to like replace them all i was like excuse me <laughs> uh phenomenal amount of money to be earned if you can um multi-box 13 accounts get into posturing and run it Every time I hear about somebody multi-boxing that many characters, my head swims. It's just like, man, I, I have a hard enough time with just my few couple, you know, minor characters. Uh, tree is my limit in combat. I can't, I can't combat more than tree. For me, and, it was for me it was always two in combat. Yeah, when 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 I say tree, I mean like two properly, and then the third one's probably like following the second in a in a vexer, just dropping drones or something. Yeah, it's that's even more than I can I can deal with. <laughs> Not my style, that's for sure. It's it's all about it's all about the branding, guys, right? So if you can't multi box, then the way you play it is you're a solo pilot, and so you're elite because you're flying solo and not participating in the N plus one game. It's all about the branding. Yeah, I don't do branding. Um, one last thing, I guess, that we could touch on was there was a small change to the new player experience in the last week. A small change? So, yeah, it was a small change. If, if, anyone, um, if, anyone, if anyone here was around for last week's show, again, great show. Uh, General Stargazer came on, gives a great rundown of the uh, Alliance tournament. And at the very end of the show, we had like one small little news snippet from like the world news. Didn't really say a whole lot. It just kind of was like, hey, there's this new station from this new corporation called AIR or something. Totally. Air, AIR. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I asked Satonia at the time, what's this about Satonia? And he was like, nah, I can't really talk about it. It might be a thing. And then we got three different news articles on the one day discussing the new player experience. So like align to gate skills and new player experience. Um, and then we got the skill plan uh, update and the improved new player experience update. So Tonya, you've got an amazing poker face. Remind me to never play poker with you. Uh, I was absolutely blown away by the updates we got. 
I had to go look up what AIR was again, the Association for Interdisciplinary Research, I guess is the a new NPC core for new players. Yeah, they're the new NPC corporation, which are involved in technology um, and research during the game. So Artemis during the week did an amazing stream. Um, is that Tuesday or Wednesday, buddy? Uh, it was Wednesday. Wednesday during yeah. the day. So you'll, you'll catch it on our YouTube. Uh, but you did an amazing stream where you actually went through the whole new player experience. Um, I, didn't, I didn't actually watch your stream. I watched about three minutes of it. And then I turned it off because I wanted to experience it for myself. It's a, you don't have to be nice to me. You can say you turned it off because you didn't like the stream. No, no, I saw your stream and I clicked in and I was like, oh, that looks cool. I don't want to watch you watch it. I, I don't want to watch you do it. I want to do it. Um, so, yeah, I went and did it myself as well. What was, what do you think? What was your impression? I was overall very happy with it. Um, I think it did a really good job of explaining a lot of the basic mechanics in terms of how to pilot your ship, what's important. I think a lot of the, the biggest change that I liked the most from previous iterations of the NPE was the way they handled the UI. So progressively throughout the tutorial mission, you get more and more UI elements introduced to you, and each one is explained in detail with little highlight bits and pieces that flash to show you, hey, this is what we're talking about now, this is what you should click on, which I really appreciated. I also love that they hand you an Astero, and then within like 30 minutes, they kill the Astero. And the whole time, they're just repeating over and over, hey, you're immortal. It's fine if you lose your ship. It's fine if you lose your pod. You'll respawn and get another one, which I quite appreciate. Um, Nick, you haven't done it, have you? No, not yet. It's it's on my list of of things to try, and it, and it's not because I don't like Artemis, but I didn't watch his stream also for the exact same reason. I want to <laughs> I want to do it myself. I don't want to have it ruined ahead of time. Um, and yourself, I actually you're I actually rolled up a new character earlier this morning just for that purpose so that's what you're doing after the show i take it maybe <laughs> uh so tony you you said you you tried it a little bit as well yourself hadn't you yeah i've uh, i've i've tried it uh i played a playtest of it on uh uh like the week before as well so i am um, i'm gonna agree with you artemis i really really liked it if if anyone remembers uh the new player experience just before this one. So I guess like the old new player experience um, where you had the whole tutorial um, and you, you woke up um, and they gave you like a series of missions to do. It was like a little uh, mini epic arc with, um, oh, there was drifters, I think involved or the, the, yeah, it was drifters. Yeah. Um, and you'd go like kill some drifters. That was like a really really nice new player uh, experience and up until like a week ago when this thing came out i would have said that was like really good really enjoyed it um this new new player experience i think is just above and beyond because as you said the things they are teaching you in this is like really important basic stuff um i really love the fact that we had this this other character come in talking to us it wasn't just Aurora, right? So they've taken that technology that they use to get a, a moving, talking Aurora, and now we have this Balin commander fella. A um, traitor who lets you die at the end 
and tries to pretend like he couldn't get in range to rep you. Yes, I'm yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Damn you, Artemis. They introduce they introduce two new two new characters, um, both of the members of Air. And I get the impression that they're going to expand further onto onto Air and what they do with it. And that's one thing that I wanted to mention. I, I had to reiterate it multiple times during my stream because there are people in the chat saying, yeah, all this new stuff is nice and the interesting graphics and whatever, but given how much of CCP's resources are being devoted to new player experience, they were underwhelmed by the amount of content that's here. And I need to pull up the correct dev blog, but what we see up front is awesome. I think it would be disingenuous to say that it's not impressive, the stuff that we got, and that it's not a step in the right direction, a major one at that. But what I would suspect is going to be the even bigger deal out of all this is the system behind the new new player experience. The system of like the nodes and the way that things are tracked and the inputs and the outputs and the way that CCP can now develop and iterate and change based on player and new player experience with the NPE is going to be huge. Like the, the vast majority of their dev time, I would speculate, I have zero confirmation on this, is went into the back end to make sure that they have the tools at their disposal to improve and expand upon this new system going forward. So if you're underwhelmed by the volume of content or you don't like one particular feature or tidbit or another, send that feedback to CCP and they have the ability to change it. The, the big part, all the dev time, again, speculation on my part, but I, I think I'm right, went into the backend system, which lets them significantly improve the overall experience or completely redesign it quickly based on player feedback. I'm gonna to have to to agree with you there. I think um, I think there's been a lot of work going on in the background. I mean, you know that like laying the foundation work that no one ever sees, and it is just it has to be done. It's like you know you have to pay off your technical debt, but once you have a solid foundation, you can really build and expand on it. And I really felt that when I was playing through this thing, I could see the possibility for more extensions, like when we had Aurora couple of weeks ago first and it was just her and some people were like oh it's it's just the the talking aurora for the one opening tutorial what a waste of time and it's like no this can be used for every mission agent going forward and we saw in this new update we have two new characters that are looking and talking to us and you know fully animated and moving and no doubt all of that is uh algorithmically programmed right like it's I'm pretty sure the it's voices generated. are voice acted. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's voice acted. Oh no, the voices are voice acted, but uh, the the character movements and the models and everything. Oh, okay, the animations, gotcha. Yeah, um, and also like when we had some events, um, and you know, you have the like new rat behavior, the new the new rat AI. Uh, you know, we can start to see that trickle down and be used in more and more events over the last couple of years. As well, um, we were talking about this just before the show, you know, uh, some of the events this year, they didn't have sites that were like, just go kill the NPC rats. There was the go and do the NPC combat anomalies or go do the mining version where you'd mine all the ore or you could go do the exploration version where you can scan and hack and you earn your points to participate in the event that way. Um, 
I think that system is also being linked into this new player experience system because of this new thing called uh, opportunities as well. Um, so I think they really are just like building on a foundation here. Uh, and I was just really excited to play it. It was really cool. Like the, the story was really good. It, as you said, the way you only get allowed to, to see certain UI elements when you need them. So like you don't have an overview and you don't have the selected item screen at the start, right? And then your selected item screen pops up. Then your overview pops up. You still don't have uh, your, your modules or your capacitor down at the bottom. And then you, you get your cap capacitor when you get in your ship. When it comes time to combat, you get your modules. They teach you about ECM burst jamming. Uh, it's really good. And you're right. They do actually really push the whole, you're immortal. You will be blown up and die. You will respawn. You'll be fine. Um, I like that they give new people an Astero because I, I love that ship model. I just, I would feel really like annoyed if I started playing the game and I saw this cool ship in the tutorial and then I got into the actual game and I found out it was like a hundred million. I'd be like, damn, it's going to take me a long time to earn a hundred million. That's a pretty attainable goal though for, for a new player. Yeah. Oh, it, it is. I just, I, should, I mean, oh. we were just talking to, to hateless last week where he's like, you can earn 40 mil an hour day one as an alpha. Oh, it's a, actually, do you know what? That's right. They should they should have um. They should give you a nester. Let Let's be real here. We need some reasonable long term goals. CCP, no. make it happen. Give us a nester in the tutorial and then blow that up. I was just gonna say at the end of the tutorial, they should tell people to go over to Hateless's channel and join his fleets to earn an a nestero in two and a half hours. Um. So yeah, so like the the new player experience though, uh, I mean that's only kind of like half of of what came out this week because that is, I mean that's for all of us because think like realistically the more new people that come in the game, the 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 better us old bitter vets have more targets to kill. And uh, what I really love is the skill queue changes. Um, if you want, I can screen share a. Yeah, so while, while you're getting the technical details set up, I'll run people down on what this new skill plan changes are. I think if you're, if you're a legacy player, you're a long-term player, you've been here for a while, you know how to set up your skill queue, maybe you use EVEMON, whatever, the biggest change for you is going to be the redesign of the skill queue UI. So we're going back to sort of the old layout where you had your skill browser on the left and your skill queue on the right. So it was much easier to drag and drop into your skill queue at whatever point in the queue you would like versus the current version where it's top and bottom. There's a lot of scrolling. It's kind of scrunched because people's screens are typically wider than they are tall. So a lot of players have been asking for this layout to return of side by side versus top and bottom. It is coming back, which is phenomenal. Um, but then you'll notice on this UI, one of the big things which ties into what we're going to show and talk about and what's more impactful on new players is a, a sort of goal tracker. And I think I'll let Abby take it from here to talk about that. Yeah, so uh, Team Prometheus is the, the name of the internal team inside in CCP that are working on this. Um, are you looking at my screen? We are. Okay, so this is a, a new character I created earlier on. Uh, this is what happens when we pull up the character sheet. So this is, a, I guess, the slimmed version of the character sheet. As soon as I click this character, there are this icon here to expand. This is um, 
I really like this layout. As you said, this is going for, for more like a, a horizontal than completely stacked vertical. Uh, but it kind of resembles the agency UI. So um, here we can see our, our interactions this is the Astero I lost to the to the air. Oh, it generates a kill mail. I didn't realize yeah. it generated a kill mail. Um, pilot services, skins, history. But if we look at our character, so no jump clones, no nothing. Okay. Um, now, there's no skills. So before, uh, currently on Tranquility, we'd have like our skills tab. This is, this is going to be down here in this blue button, which is going to open up a whole new window. So we can we can full screen this window. This is kind of like the the map in a way, right? We can full screen it. We can we can resize it however we want, like as small as it gets. But these are the new skill. Um, I, I I don't know what is it called. The skill catalog, yeah, skill catalog. So the skill catalog is our current list of skills, and then the skill plan is where we can create and save skill plans. So uh, as you mentioned, this is kind of like bringing Evemon uh, into Eve instead of being in an external third-party software. So you can have a certified, so these are like plans that come with it, okay? So this ties into their Eve Academy, uh, the new website. A explorer is an explorer, an industrialist is an industrialist. I think if an, an enforcer is what they're calling like PVE. And a soldier of fortune is like PVP. Uh, if I click on Explorer, I'm going to get like, okay, so I'm a Mar. So I'm going to get a Mar Explorer skill plan. If I click on that, it's going to bring up the skill plan for me. So I can see here each skill plan can have up to five what are called milestones. Now, when you create a skill plan, you can add any milestone you want. Uh, you can only have five. We can look at the contents of the skill plan. So this is the, the full skill plan, right? Top to bottom. And we can see there, we already have these skills trained. There's one. We don't have the skill book. So like really simple. It's grayed out. And we have the little grayed on set of white box. We, we don't have that skill trained. We don't even have it um, injected because if it was injected, it would be like a white bigger box or like a light gray bigger box instead of like the full white one. So I know I need to buy that skill book. I can buy them all with just a click of this button right here. I can load all of these um, skills into my skill queue. Um, Does that follow the, have you noticed if that follows the standard remote buy of skills where they're slightly more pricey than running around and picking them all up? Uh, yeah, I think it does. Um, yeah, if I was to buy missing skill books, it would come out to one46 which is like uh, an awkward number. While usually skill books at this price are like, uh, what's that? So that's a million. Uh, that is 50,000. And the very first one, yeah, so it is. So yeah, if I'm to buy them all individually versus hitting this button, when you hit that button, you will be paying that extra tax. Um, but what's really nice about this is like, you can save a copy of the skill plan. You can share the skill plan by dragging and dropping it places. So you can drag and drop it into a, a chat window. What's really cool about this new feature coming is that you can actually take a skill plan and save it with a fit. So if I have a ship fitting, I can like build a ship fitting, like let's say Halus's Tech One Naga, 
that he used for the alpha characters to take part in his Triglavian content. He had to like take the skill plan and like post it in the in the Eve workbench text. What he's going to be able to do in future is he's going to be able to incorporate that skill plan into the fit itself, and it'll actually show up in the fitting window. I that's don't kind of like um, that's like a merge of both the old out of game tools of Evemon and the Eve fitting tool, to where you'd have to go back and forth a lot. This is kind of neat. This is going to save some steps. Yeah, I'm just looking here in the fitting window. I don't know. I don't know how how I don't know if that's implemented yet. How I would get a skill plan into the fit, but that it's, is coming. But go on. I know that the the fits are saved within the skill plan itself. So the skill plans have sort of an open text blurb type description section where you can save a bunch of information about the plan, what it's used for, a bit of a description. But then you can also link things into it just like you could a normal chat channel, including ah, okay. fittings. So you can say, hey, this plan is what you need to do if you want to effectively fly this Naga or this Munin, or let's be honest, this Nagalfar, because <laughs> you may be able to fly a capital, but you don't understand how it works and you need some explanation. And that's, I think, going to be huge. There, Nick, I think you had some concerns that this was going to better enable like large blocks to essentially put players on assembly lines where they don't really have much agency in choosing what they skill. They're just putting in the plan that their boss tells them to and then waiting two months or what have you. Yeah, and you know, that, that concern is still there. I mean, obviously, to a certain degree. Um, and that's all part of my natural resistance to grabbing that new player and dragging them out to Nolan going, here's what you got to do to be successful in our group. And basically, they tell you how to play instead of letting you learn. And it's a tough one, and I understand it. And that's where I think the milestones actually click for me. At first, when I saw this, I didn't understand how they were helpful or how they were useful. But then there were, you mentioned that you brought up the, the players on a conveyor belt. I thought about my new player experience and the new player experience I've had with others who I've watched them experience it themselves. And there's a lot of, you go in with a plan because you think, I'm going to prep all this stuff out, I'm going to stick to that plan, I'm going to specialize because that's what you're told are the keys to success. But then you realize, oh wait, I'm specializing into this field, but I really want to try this. Or I, I want to reprioritize what I'm focusing on right now. And I feel like the skill plan milestones, if you have those enabled, it will help you keep track and sort of stay on target even when you take your little detours in your plan. So I, I understand your reticence, but I feel like the, the skill plan milestones will allow players to do that sidetracking and detouring and reprioritization in a more efficient way where they're still staying on track. Because it happened to me all the time, and maybe it just my scattered brain self, where I would start on a plan and then reprioritize and reshuffle and completely forget what the original plan was. And just it gets thrown out the window. The only time I stick to a plan is when I forget to check my skill queue. <laughs> so hopefully this will help with that. That that's where I think it is. It's gonna clue in and really help new players experience the game and not get on that assembly line, so to speak. Yeah. So um, just this is what we're looking at right now is just like the skill catalog. So this is looking at like our skills. So if if you're an old player or you're 
a, a young player if, if you're just you know your skill queue will be um over here on the on the right hand side you'll you'll throw a lot of skills in there and by the way one thing that was announced in this update was that the 24 hour um limit on a skill for alphas is being removed and also the cap on alpha and omega accounts of 50 maximum skills in the skill queue is being changed to 150 so all of us benefit i don't um, care for that particular change i know this is very parochial of me but you know yeah you can throw in 150 skills for the next month and a half and walk away I kind of like people logging in and interacting with the game and other people. Agreed. Um, but if you need to go away for um, a long amount of time, it'll be handy to train up. Just, I just, I think it's, I think it's taking away tedium. I agree. Like taking away tedium. I, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm like, there's a reason why they didn't make it unlimited. If it was unlimited, then you could queue up for 10 years and, and never come back to the game. And I see what you mean by, if people have to log in once a month to update their skill queue, then they will. But I mean, that's just in my eyes tedium. I just like the like. I have run up against the fifty limit quite often when you're training lots of small skills or like on a new character. Um, but this is what us usual players uh, will see. We'll have our we'll have our actual skills that are training over here on the right. Uh, a much more like bigger catalog. I love how easy it's going to be to drag and drop skills over here. Um. I really, I, I don't like the, the tiny bar in the new version. Um, but the skill plans themselves, so like if I got to create a new plan, this is what we're talking about here with like actually making a plan. So let's say I, I'm new to the game. I want to fly a Tengu. This is a Tengu, right? PVE ship. Uh, very, very good PVE ship. I'm just going to drag that into the milestone. Now I drag my Tengu in there. It immediately populated the bare minimum I need to fly the Tengu, right? So, oh, like immediately into the skill plan. I love that feature. I just think that's so cool. Um, there's one thing I found in my testing, which I'm gonna have to like, gonna have to poke Satonia to to let them uh, to tell CCP certifications can't be dropped into the milestone. Yeah, I so, brought that up with them on the playtest thing amazing so like you can drop a ship so like there's my tengu okay um what do i want i want some missiles right uh heavy assault missiles five will allow me to use like tech two heavy assault missiles i'll drop that module in there as well all right so i'm definitely going to use hams when i'm running my pve fit but i would love to be able to take the oh let's say the shield tanking certificate right because that's like you're definitely going to want shield tanking for this. I'd love to be able to take that whole certificate and drop it into the milestone to populate the skill plan as well. Um, so hopefully they'll add that in. But you, you can add anything in here to the to the milestone. It could even be, I mean, I'm in a shield ship, so I guess technical uh, tactical shield manipulation. Definitely going to want that level five. Okay. That's one of my, my milestones now. So you can build it up, whatever it is, whether it's using a ship, using a module, uh, using a bunch of things. You can have up to five milestones. Gives you your skill plan. You can enter your name. 
As long as we're in feature requesting mode, I gotta say there needs to be a copy-paste feature to adding skills to the skill plan when you're creating it, because there are so many skill plans out there in the old just copy and paste the text version, but you can't mm. paste an existing skill queue plan into this skill plan creation thingy. It just doesn't let you do it. You have to drag and drop manually. If they could add that in, that would be wonderful. Do we know when this is going to come to the live server? Uh, no, they only uh, announced it uh, on CC this week. I mean, at the rate we're seeing, probably in the next week or two, it just depends. Will this come on its own or will this come with the, um, the, the new player uh, content at the same time? I mean, Satonia probably knows. He's just not legally allowed to tell us, I guess. I think in the blog it mentions middle of September, so that's probably when it's going to come. So I guess that would make the third quarter uh, kind of like new player experience quarter and then the the fourth quarter will be mining bitter vet uh pacification quarter <laughs> i love that term hey uh, uh meppa in chat brings up he says uh the limits would only hurt new players since the old players have years long skills cues anyway i see your point I'm going to respectfully disagree for now until I get a chance to play with it a little bit on a new character I'm going to create up or I've already done. Um, I don't, I just don't know if I buy that, uh, you know, overall. Uh, someone asked, can you, can you drag a fit into the, the milestone? No. Um, I mean, if I just try and drag my, my coveter over here, it's not exactly requiring skills uh, that won't, but I mean, what you could do in that case is, you know, you put the hull in there, maybe the weapon system, and you could post the full fit in the description here. So you you could um, you can put it in like that, right? So you can see the fit that you will be flying and all the skills that are uh, related to it. There was another um, question in chat that maybe you've seen the answer to, but I don't recall. Uh, Valamir asks. If they said if alphas can train skills that they can't use as alphas, my initial guess would be no, but I don't recall. Um, no, no, they you... can't train Amiga skills. Yeah, the, the only skills an alpha can't use would be skills locked behind like an Omega, which you can't uh, train. And, and not just like the full skill itself. There's some skills that as an alpha you can only train to four and you need to be Omega to get to level five or something, right? So th those are still normal. They've just removed the 24-hour limit. You you could not put, if your skill queue is at 24 hours or, or higher, you couldn't put another skill in there. If there was a skill that took uh, nine days on its own, I mean, you could put that in there and it would take nine days, uh, but you wouldn't be able to put something after that, only some skills before that up until 24 hours. Uh, that's what's been changed, along with the 150 uh, skill limit being the new limit instead of 50. But yeah, this is really cool. I mean, again, this is like taking Evemon and putting it in Eve, but with like some really nice drag and drop features and some really nice integrations. Um, if they can get milestones uh, to work with some certs and, and maybe a full fit, I think that'd be kind of cool. If I literally could take like a, a PVE golem fit, put it in there, um, and it would work out the full skill plan. But I mean, this is just the beginning. This is literally just gone on CC this week. So 
guys log in um start a new character mess around with the the new player experience give them some feedback and while you're at it check out this new skill queue because this is this is coming for all of us very soon but i just think it's great to be able to you know you get a new guy in game yeah a new character you can just have this you know drop it in the chat to him it can be in your corp description it can be uh, however you want to share it but like the the ability to get new players um training skills like the you know like you want to do a a pve character or a pvp character here's a here's a nice skill plan to get you up and running with a you know propulsion jamming and gunnery skills again linking back into the eve academy so like here they're saying like this is the punisher from the eve academy for pvp and here's the skill plan that goes with it and here's some of the milestones you're gonna unlock i think it's really cool um but yeah i think that's kind of it for today's show um anyone uh anyone in the room got some last comments or i'm good to go man indeed can't wait all right well uh First off, I'm just going to end the show by thanking uh, Setonia for being here with us. Um, as always, he, you are like an encyclopedia of knowledge when it comes to this game. So thank you for, for giving your time to come on the show. And as well, he's a CSM representative. So, you know, if you guys like find a bug or, or give feedback, you can either give it to like CCP or to Setonia. He loves that. Uh, thank you to Nick uh, for being here as usual. Uh, TIS staff member. Artemis for uh, engineering the show today. And being the comedic relief. It's okay, you can laugh at me. I do it all the time. We're laughing with you, buddy. Don't worry. We're just not laughing at you. That's what they all say. That's what they all say. Oh, no, I'm laughing at him. I'm laughing at him. And uh, myself, Abby Rova, I've been your host today. Uh, Sunday, the 29th of August, 2021. So thank you and fly safe or dangerous. Fly however you want to.